We're going to continue on our series about building our lives on Jesus Christ. We're reminded in 2 Peter chapter 1 that in order to build this life on Christ, both as individuals and as a church family, we have to begin with salvation by faith in Jesus and Him only. While we are exercising that faith, the Bible tells us to become morally excellent. That is, add virtue. Then he says, while becoming morally excellent, we increase in knowledge. While increasing in knowledge, we're to develop self-control. I think that's one of the biggest problems uh, with Christians today, is they ain't got no self-control. Amen? Amen. Amen? I believe we all got that problem. Well, while we're developing self-control... We're also to build up our perseverance, your mental toughness, your willingness to hang in there through the thick and thin. And as we build up our perseverance, the Bible says that we're to be growing in godliness. And while growing in godliness, the Bible says that we're to add brotherly kindness. And finally, while adding brotherly kindness, we learn that we will magnify Christian love. To everyone within our circle of influence, to the community that the church ministers in, that's what we want to do, is magnify Christian love. Our love for Jesus and our love for people. And Peter says that if these traits are ours, and if these traits are increasing, they're growing in our lives, we will build a productive and useful life on Jesus Christ. We will be set apart for the glory of God. So then, after we set this foundation, we lay this foundation of faith, of salvation, we add the virtue, which is moral excellence, which includes separation from the world while remaining effective in the world. That's another big problem with Christians, right? Because we're to separate ourselves from the world while remaining effective in the world. That's a challenge for the believer. Peter says, you know what? That's not all. There's more to building this life on Christ. He says, you also got to add knowledge. Add knowledge to your faith. Add knowledge to your virtue. Now, as you grow in knowledge, the Bible teaches us that we are to move forward in what the Bible calls sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. Sanctification. All sanctification is is a $10 word that means you are cleaned up, you are made ready for use, you are set apart for God to use you. That's what sanctification means. So today... Jesus says that we're sanctified, that is, we're set apart, we're made ready for use, we're cleaned up and made ready through Him and through the power of His Word. Now, if you'll turn to page 948 in the Bibles in front of you, in John, the Gospel of John, in chapter 8, I want to tell you, I want to show you what Jesus says about how we are sanctified, how we're set apart for the use of God. In John chapter 8, just two verses today, that's good news, amen? 
Hey, I'll keep you here all day if y'all want to, amen? That's good news. Only two verses. That means a short sermon, right? No, it does not mean that, amen. But it'll go quickly because you'll love it. Because in John chapter 8, in verse 31, Jesus was speaking to some Jews who had come to believe on him as the Messiah. And verse 31 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word. Y'all getting that? If you live under the direction of my word. If you adhere and subscribe to what God says in his word, comma, you are my disciples indeed. If you flip-flop that verse, you could say, if you don't abide in my word, you're not my disciples indeed. Now that's just Brother Bill flip-flopping it, but if it's good one way, it's got to be good the other way, right? But Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples Indeed, and you shall know the truth. We're talking about knowledge today. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Praise God. Amen. So Jesus says, if you abide in my word, living under the direction of the word of God, then that will serve as evidence that you're really my disciple. And you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now I read that it would take 147 years to complete all the courses that the Harvard University offers. That's a lot of knowledge to pack into your head, amen? But that's what we're after today. Today we're after your head. If God can capture your heart through faith, and it can capture your head with knowledge of God's word, then you can then be set apart, made ready for God to use in your life and in the body of this church and in the world that we live in. Here's the equation. If you want to be free, free to be set apart, to be sold out to God, here's the equation. Trust or faith, plus truth, which comes from, comes from God's word, equals freedom. Freedom to live a life sold out to God. So trust plus truth equals freedom. And friend, you need to know today, you need to know that any so-called salvation that does not lead to a life set apart for God is fake. Did y'all get that? Is that a little too harsh this morning? Is that a little bit too much in your grill? Well, listen, I'm going to reiterate that. Any so-called salvation that does not lead to a life sold out for Jesus ain't real. It's not Real. If after you're saved, you're not growing in your faith, you're not growing to be more like Jesus, I want to tell you, your salvation's counterfeit. 
Your salvation is make-believe. Your salvation ain't real. You know why? Because what Jesus saves, Jesus changes. You ain't going to be the same gal. You're not going to be the same guy when you come to Christ. He changes us. So let me, boy, I got all a little crazy there, didn't I? Sorry about that. So today, Jesus is going to give us three features of being sanctified or made ready for the use of God. First of all, he gives us the source of truth. To find truth in this world, you got to seek it out for yourself. Y'all hearing me? Y'all got to seek it out for yourself. But what is truth, and where in the world do I find it? A Muslim says he knows the truth. A Buddhist says he knows the truth. An atheist believes there ain't no God. He believes that's the truth. An agnostic says, well, there might be a God. He don't have a clue what he believes. Amen? But they all have their views concerning truth. And I could go on listing for you belief system after belief system that puts all their trust in false facts. But the Bible teaches. The Bible of God, the Word of God teaches that there are only three sources of truth. One, there's the person of truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. I am the way and the truth. That means I'm not the person of truth. You're not the person of truth. Jesus Christ is the person of truth. He says, he says abide in my word. He's the person of truth, and he says, do what I say. Live under my direction. That's where you find truth, from the person of truth. But the Bible also teaches that there's a place of truth. In 1 Timothy 3.15, the Bible says that the church of the living God is the pillar and the ground of truth. Now, you need to understand a little bit what that means because in New Testament times, in the middle of the marketplace, there would be this big pillar. And they would fasten announcements onto that pillar for the world, for the community to live by. Then those announcements came straight from the king. Likewise, the church is the pillar, the pillar that proclaims the truth of King Jesus. But also, the church is the ground of truth, the undergirding structure, if you will. And the church is entrusted with defending and supporting the truth of God and making sure the whole world hears about it. That's our job. So, friend, if you ever find yourself in a church where the Bible is not faithfully preached and the truth is not faithfully proclaimed, I want you to tuck your tail and get out of there because that place is not for you. Life is too short to be immersed into a group that thinks they know more about God than God knows more about himself. The place of truth. The person of truth is Jesus himself. The place of truth is his church. But there's a third source of truth, and that is the pages of truth. 
In 2 Timothy 2.15, we're taught that the Bible is the word of truth. The scripture goes like this. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of what? Truth. Amen. The word of truth. You know, in America, thousands upon thousands of people have marched up that middle aisle. They've prayed. They've asked God to save them. They've declared that Jesus is Lord. They've even been baptized. But then they stop right there. Now, if you're one of those, I'm not trying to step on your toes today. But their connection with God stopped. Their relationship with the Lord stopped when they came. They did not continue. They never separated themselves from the world. And they never added knowledge of God's word to their virtue, which leads to a life set apart for God. So in his word, in this Bible you have in front of you, in this word, Jesus Christ clearly reveals the source of truth. And he tells us, boys and girls, <laughs> continue in it. Remain in it. Base your life upon it. Abide in it. But there's a second feature of being sanctified, being set apart for God's use, and this is equally important, and that is the study of God's truth. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says that all Scripture from the table of contents to the maps is given by the inspiration of God. Right? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It tells us what truth is. That's doctrine. It tells us what truth is not. That's reproof. It tells us how to align ourselves with truth. That's correction. But it also tells us how to grow in truth. And that is instruction. All of this, friend, is available to you. And this Bible can change your life if you'll just abide in it, remain in it, and live under its direction. You know, I once visited a restaurant in Athens called the Golden Phoenix Super Chinese Buffet. Man, this joint had eight food bars. It had a salad bar with all the toppings. It had a sushi bar. It had a hibachi bar. It had a Chinese food bar with fried rice and egg rolls and mugu gai pan, whatever in the world that is, chop suey chow mein and all those funny sounding foods. It had a seafood bar with stuffed shrimp and scallops and salmon and crab legs. It had a meat bar with prime rib and brisket and steaks. It had a dessert bar with blackberry cobbler and ice cream. You ain't going to believe what else it had. Banana. Banana pudding, praise God, amen. It was really kind of overwhelming. It was a little bit overwhelming. It was incredible. But listen, y'all, 
An unread Bible is like a Christian going to the Golden Phoenix Super Chinese Buffet and having a salad. That salad might be good and all, but man, you did not get your money's worth. Amen? Every believer, every believer needs to read this book, needs to study this book. Why? Because God's called us to. He's called us to read this book and to add knowledge of his truth to our life. To add knowledge of the truth to our moral excellence. In his book, New Evidence of, That Demands a Verdict, Josh McDowell said this. He said, the Bible is the only book that was written over the course of 1,500 years. Isn't that crazy? It's a long time. It was written by more than 40 authors from every walk of life, kings and generals, peasants and fishermen, tax collectors, poets, musicians, scholars, and even shepherds. The Bible was written in countless different places, in the wilderness, in a dungeon, in a palace, in a prison, while traveling, one guy even wrote a book of the Bible while he was exiled on an island by himself. The Bible was written at different times. During war, during sacrifice, during peace and prosperity, the Bible was written during different moods, heights of joy and depths of sorrow and despair, times of certainty and conviction, times of confusion and doubt. The Bible was written on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. The Bible was written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. The Bible was written in all kinds of styles, like poetry and stories, songs and romance, letters and parables, prophecy and law, and even biography. The Bible addresses all kinds of hot topics, Things like marriage and divorce, adultery, homosexuality, telling the truth, telling a bold-faced lie, parenting, obedience, and yes, even how to build your life on Christ. And despite this incredibly diverse mixture, there's one single unfolding story, the story of how God redeemed lost human beings through its leading character, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. You see, being a Christian is not based upon how you feel. Christianity is not an emotion. No, being a Christian is based on the truth. This is what we base our faith on, our Christianity on. It's the truth. And the only way to know the truth is to go to the source of the truth and study the truth. Now, how many of y'all are Bama fans? Go ahead and stick up your old wicked arms. All right. How many of you are Auburn fans? Go ahead if you got guts. All three. 
Wow! A lot more gutsy people than I thought. How many of you are Tennessee fans? Oh, I hear you, baby. I hear you good. Bless them, Lord. How many of you are Florida fans? Golly, talking about a man standing by himself. How many of you are South Carolina fans? One, two. I already knew that. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Here's my deal. Here's why I bring that up. I love college football. I'm looking forward to it cranking up. I'm looking forward to, to Saturday afternoons watching good old ball games. But do you find it just a, just a little bit unsettling that we'll sit or we'll go and watch a three-hour football game, but we won't spend three hours a week in the Word of God? Don't worry, y'all. That hurt me a lot worse than it hurt you. There are some Christians who watch the news every day. They watch the news at 5 o'clock, at 6 o'clock, and they watch it at 10 o'clock. Same news three times a day. Go figure. But I wonder if they'd ever consider giving that same amount of time to the study of the word of their creator and savior. What are you saying, Bill? Stop watching TV? Stop watching football? No, I ain't saying that. Here's what I am saying. Study the truth. Study the truth. Why? Because knowing the truth begins with reading it. It begins with reading it. And then when you start reading it, it will lead to knowledge of the truth. And then your knowledge of the truth will lead to you being sold out to Jesus. Set apart for our holy God. So it begins with reading it. Studying it. And it leads to knowledge of it. Which leads to being set apart for the purposes of God. Let's also consider a third feature of being sanctified, set apart, being made ready by God. And that is the strength of truth. This is where the success, you might want to put the success of truth. Jesus said, if you live under the direction of my word, it proves you're my disciple." If you live under the direction of my word, it proves you're my disciple. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Friends, when Jesus is the Lord of your life, he doesn't lead you or rule over you with oppression. He rules with great liberation, with great freedom, with great grace. When truth comes into your life, Jesus will set you free. You say, set free from what, Bill? He'll set you free in at least three ways. First of all, you can be sure that you'll be free from tradition. See, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus was talking to some really ultra-religious, uppity-type folks. And he said, all too well, you reject the commandments of God so that you can keep your traditions. Y'all, if we ain't real, real careful, 
we can become just like them and be so focused on tradition that we ignore the commandments of God. Tradition always wants you to look right rather than be right. But God says, the truth says, that the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Friend, what's in your heart today? Is the truth in your heart today? Is the word of God in your heart today? Not only will the truth of God set you free from tradition, but it will also set you free from the world's lies. Romans 1.25, the Bible says that every sinful man exchanged the truth for a lie. You see, this world will lie to you in a zillion different ways. But the biggest way that the world lies to you is by saying that selfish ambition, you know, that it's all about me, that I need to get what I want, is the way of living. That's a lie. Because the Bible commands that we serve other people, not ourselves. That we be others focused, not selfish focused. When you understand that truth, friend, you become set free from selfish ambition. And you're released to serve God with all your heart, with all your soul. Because serving God ain't about you. Serving God is about you serving other people. You're released to serve God. But not only does the truth of God set you free from tradition and worldly lies, you can also be free from spiritual bondage. Lastly, many people, they come to church and they walk down that aisle and they receive Christ as their, their Savior and they suddenly think, whew, man, I'm glad I ain't got to worry about the temptation to sin no more. They think that, y'all. I'm serious. But when you stand on the truth of God's Word, oh, yeah, it's going to change you. But the thing is, he will do the changing. He will change you, and here's the important part, as you grow in the knowledge of the truth. If you don't grow in your knowledge of the truth, you can't expect God to change you. Because within this word comes change. Sadly, Many new believers remain unchanged. And you know what? That should cause you and I great concern. Why? Because you and I know that what Jesus saves, He changes. You cannot remain the same person that you once were when you're truly saved by God. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, if you live under the direction of my word, then, say then, Amen. then you're truly my disciples. And you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Friends, when you come to Jesus and you willingly choose to live under the direction of his word, willingly, he will make a brand new you. A brand new 
new you. You'll be free to be all that God created you to be. You'll be free to be used by God for purposes that are heavenly and eternal, not temporary and earthly. You'll be free, friend, to make a difference in the world you live in, especially in the next generation. You'll be free. And friend, listen, today God urges you. He urges you to come by faith, to be saved, then to separate yourself from the world while you remain faithful in the world. It's called contact without contamination. Having contact with the world without being contaminated by it. And then, friend, growing in the knowledge of God's truth so that you can live a sold-out, holy life for His glory. So, friend, if you think about it, which one are you missing? We've talked about salvation. We've talked about separation. And we've talked about sanctification. Have you been saved? Have you experienced salvation? Maybe you have been saved, but you've got a problem with the separation. The separating yourself from the world while remaining effective in the world. Maybe that's tough for you, and you need prayer for that. Maybe your struggles with the sanctification. You're saved, and you do a pretty good job of separating yourself from the world, but you ain't growing. You are not carving out portions of your day to stay in the Word of God, the Word of truth, so that you can be changed. What are you missing today? Whatever it is, this decision time is for you. If you need to experience salvation, today's your day. Struggling with separation, today's your day. Need help with sanctification, today's your day. You just take a step of faith. You just come forward. Just allow me to pray with you. Go to a friend, a Christian friend. Go to one of our leaders. You pray and let them pray with you. Whatever you're missing, God wants to change it. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that, Lord, you want us to be complete. You want us to be whole. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus today. That, Father, you would not only bless everyone in the, within the walls of this room with salvation, but that, Lord, you would also...